Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones, and this is episode 65 of the Photography Q&A podcast. I hope you had a good week. The highlight of my week was finding a tea bag that isn't made of plastic. A few months ago, I took a macro shot of a red rose tea bag. I don't know whether I should be mentioning the name of them. No, I'm going, I'm going to shame them. A red rose tea bag. It was made of microscopic polyethylene. It looked like fishing line had been melted together. Anna, my other half, is a tea drinker and she freaked out. She said, wow, Andy, your photos are amazing. Well, she actually said, why would you show me that, you idiot? But I could tell that she really loved the photo. It was, it was obvious. It's pretty obvious. Now, I don't drink tea. I can't stand the stuff. I don't even like the smell of it, really. And that's why I was thrown out of England. The Queen insists that everybody drinks tea. I refused and ended up in Canada. So it wasn't a really bad deal in the end. It was, it was okay. I don't have to drink tea. So anyway, PG Tips is the tea bag that I took a picture of during the week. And it is 100% biodegradable. Check out my Instagram account if you want proof. It's all there. All right, let's get on with the podcast. This week's question, how do I set up a home studio? So the first thing we're going to cover is space. If you're thinking of setting up a home studio, you need a space that can be used permanently as a studio. You don't want to have the hassle of moving furniture out of the room every time you have a a session booked. It could be a bedroom, but taking customers through your house to the bedroom isn't ideal. The best option is a garage or a room that has an outside access. You can probably get away with a space that's sort of 11 by, say, 12. The bigger it is, the better it's going to work. Um, An 11 by 12 room will only allow you to shoot one subject at a time. So think about the type of sessions that you're going to offer. If you want to shoot family portraits, you will need a much bigger studio than an 11 by 12. Headshots, on the other hand, can be taken in a very small space, so you wouldn't have any problem with that. Ceiling height is also very important. If you want to shoot people standing, you're going to need 10 to 12 feet of ceiling height. And it also depends on how tall your subjects are. So if you get someone who's 7 feet tall, you're going to need a good 12 or 13 feet, I would imagine. Now, this is because your lights need to be above the subject and pointing down at approximately 45 degrees. Now, they don't always have to be like that, but the majority of your pictures are going to have lights high shooting down. Garages can be turned into studios quite easily, especially ones with high ceilings. A while ago, I listened to a podcast interview with a family portrait photographer, and she was in Australia. Her home studio was the carport with no indoor studio available. She used the carport on the side of her house. Australia does offer a year-round warmer climate, but you could do this during your warmer months if you live in the Northern Hemisphere. Here, you could probably do it a good three, four months if you pushed it a little bit. It might be a bit chilly, the early ones and the late ones, but yeah, you could get at least three good months out of it. If you have a pergola in your backyard, or pergola, depends how you pronounce it. If you have one of those in your backyard, all you need to do is hang a backdrop at one end and maybe even just drop a white sheet over the top to stop the sunlight disrupting it. And you've got a a ready-made studio. So the types of photographies that are suitable for a home studio. I think any type of photography that doesn't need a huge space is suitable, like newborn baby photography. Most of the photographers that shoot newborn and baby photography work from home. They have a a room set aside, the heat's on at crazy temperatures to make the baby drowsy and more malleable, I guess. 
yeah, that's really suited to home studio headshots or shooting products, commercial products. You could easily do it from home. Now, let's do equipment. I'm thinking you've already got a camera, so we'll just get on with lenses. The first two lenses I think about are both primes. They're 50mm and 85mm lenses. Both the f1.4 and f1.8 versions will both work, and they'll both work really well. Another option, you could use a 70-200, to 2.8, or an f4 zoom. Now, it all depends on how big your studio is. And the only way to do it is get someone to sit down in a stool in that room that you're thinking of using and put that lens on your camera and see if it works. Next, we've got flash and the trigger, the flash trigger. For a small home studio, you don't need big studio lights that cost $500 each. You can use speed light flashes, which are cheaper, lighter, and give more than enough power for a small studio. If you already have a flash, you just need to buy the trigger which you can buy for as little as 20 bucks. I've used triggers that cost $5 that I bought from eBay back in the day, and they worked okay. But there were times when they let me down, so I invested in a pair of pocket wizards. Now, you, you can still buy pocket wizards. They're still expensive, and they're amazing. Uh, mine cost me $250 15 years ago, and they have never let me down, not once. Now, the other option is getting a flash with a built-in built receiver. Now, last year I bought a Godox flash with a built-in receiver and a trigger, a separate trigger that sits on the hot shoe of the camera. This setup allows me to set the flash settings from the trigger on the camera. So you don't have to go walk in a few feet away from you where your flash is to go do the settings and move it around a little bit. You can just do it all from the camera, which is really, really user-friendly. There's lots of companies that sell this kind of flash. One of the ones, the cheaper ones, is Newer, N-E-E-W-E-R. They have one for about $70, and I think you get the trigger with the flash, uh, which is a really good deal. I don't know whether you can do your settings from the on camera, but it's still a good deal, 70 bucks for a flash. A two-light setup will give you plenty of light. You could use just one light, but a second light is going to give you much better control over all situations. The next thing you're going to need is a light stand. You need as many stands as you have lights. So if you've got two lights, you need two stands. You need them to extend at least six foot seven or more. If you've got a high ceiling, you can get bigger ones. You can pick these up for around $30 each. I've seen them on, uh, when did I see those? Amazon, $30 each on Amazon. Next, you need an umbrella flash bracket. This bracket sits on top of the light stand and holds the flash, and it also has a hole in it that the umbrella stem passes through and is secured. Newer, that same company again, N-E-E-W-E-R, is selling one on Amazon for $16, which is a, it's a good bit of kit for $16. Next that you might need is a reflector. Reflectors are a great way to bounce light around. If you only have one light, a reflector can be used on the opposite side to light and remove the shadows from the person's face. If you use two lights, you don't need a reflector, but they are good to have around. A five-in-one reflector will cost you around $30. The next piece of kit is a shoot-through umbrella. They are translucent material and you pass the light through them. This is the simplest and cheapest way to go. You could get soft boxes, which cost a lot more money, but shoot-through umbrellas do an excellent job and for a lot less money. Starting at around $20 each, you'll need one for each of your lights. Next, we've got the stool. Because your subject needs something to sit on, 
and that something is the posing stool. The cheapest I've found of these is $69 at B&H in New York. If you have a simple wooden stool already, use it. Not everybody's the same height though. So these posing stools are adjustable, like an office chair, basically hydraulic. And uh, you can set it to their height that makes them look comfy. You don't want them all scrunched up. To start with, try a wooden stool if you have one. Or if you've got an interesting chair, like an old leather chair or something, that looks cool and can be part of the, the final image, go for it, use it. There are no set rules here. Whatever works, works. Okay, next we've got backdrops and stand. If you're shooting in a studio, you need some backdrops. They come in different materials and sizes. I've got still got a bunch of them. I've used muslin, canvas, and paper rolls. I have a, I used to have a huge collection of paper rolls when I had a studio. They range from five feet wide and 50 feet long in the roll of paper. I've used 12 feet wide by 24 feet long muslin, muslin backdrops. If you're just shooting headshots, you can get away with a small backdrop of, say, 5 by 7 and you can get some of those that come in the uh, the nylon material with a metal edge that folds and you keep them in a small bag and you just pop them out and they're good to have. Whatever colours or patterns you get, it's up to you. Some people get the big backdrops with a scene that's painted on it. Yeah, I was never into that. But just make sure that you've got the basics, which is a, a white background, a black background, uh, some classic greys and browns. You get some that look like it's been painted on. They look pretty cool, but greys, browns, black and white. That's good. You could use a, a green backdrop that you can buy, the fluorescent green looking ones where you use those so like a green screen so that you can crop the person's image out of the background. But with today's Lightroom and Photoshop and all the other softwares out there, you really don't need to go through that. You can just take a picture on any color and, and take the background out of it, change it. Now, you can mount your backdrops directly to a wall or you can buy a backdrop stand. One of these at the moment is going to cost you around $50. Well, it's going to cost you $50 or if you can't get the cheap ones and you want to get the super duper heavy duty, it's going to cost you a lot more. But $50 ones are going to work. I've had one for years and I've used it as part of my mobile event studio. I used it in studio. They're bulletproof. There's not much to them. Just big old stands with a bar that goes across. You could, of course, paint your walls a different color and use them as a backdrop. Just don't use a gloss paint because they look awful. Everything it will shine when the light hits it. You need a, a matte finish. The added benefit to this setup is that you can take it on location. Being able to turn up at a customer's home and shoot their family portraits in the living room or out in the garden using your studio setup is a game changer. So not including the price of the camera and the lens, which you've probably already got, this setup will cost you a little under $250 before taxes. That's based on July 2022 prices, of course. So if you're listening to this in the future, it's probably going to be more. Just having this setup is an excellent way to move forward. It just opens things up for you, the different things that you can shoot. Having these lights and the flash trigger will allow you to shoot also, you can take them with you to do real estate photos. You can do portraits in the park. You know, you can do anything with them. You can get some excellent results as well. Okay, I hope you found that a little bit helpful. So that's it for this episode. I'll be back next week with more Waffle. Have a good one. Stay safe. Bye.
Thank you.